But you wake up into that, you know, like uh, in the morning, your mum makes the, the coconut rice with some um, um, anchovy sambal and all that, that aroma um, just circling around the house. You just wake up for that and um, those good memories. And, and, and as we grow up, when you're looking for a career, it's just the, the, the hospitality became the closest thing to me. Today on Dirty Linen, we are heading to the Mornington Peninsula uh, via Sri Lanka to chat to Guyane Pieris. Guyane is the executive chef at Pol Pero, a winery restaurant, and Many Little, where he's able to showcase Sri Lankan cuisine. Guyane, welcome to Dirty Linen. Uh, thank you, and so glad to be here. I am super excited to be chatting to you. Um, yeah, I'm a, a big fan of Sri Lankan food. and just love the variety of flavours and the brightness and all the sambals. In fact, I, as I talk about it, I really wish I was about to sit down for a Sri Lankan meal. Um, tell us about what you're doing down there at Many Little and also Pol Pero. Yeah, so I'm the executive chef at uh, Paul Perot and Many Little. Um, Many Little is um, um, mainly a Sri Lankan um, restaurant that um, we have like big Sri Lankan um, influence with the, with the cuisine that we serve there. And also Paul Perot, um, it's a wine restaurant that we stick into uh, modern Australian cuisine. Um, and we the, both the restaurants getting... Uh, um, 70 to 80 percent of our produce coming from our own organic um, certified organic farm um, right across to uh, Paul Perot. and um, also we uh, we do have our um, two own wine brands as well which is Paul Perot and even kill um, so yeah that's pretty much what we do I love it and I mean that must be so special having the produce that's grown on the estate to be able to use in the restaurant how does that how does that work like how does menu creation work? So with, with, with Paul Perot, it's fairly easy. We usually um, um, we have our um, growing plan every year for the depending on the season, and uh, that's what um, our menus are driven with. Um, many little is a bit tricky because um, down here we have some limitations with the growing the things that we use in in our cuisine, which is Sri Lankan cuisine. Um, but um, the hats off to the farmers. Um, we do have like really experienced farmers working with us, and they manage to grow a lot of the stuff that we're using um, um, in, in Sri Lankan cuisine as well. So it's 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 kind of really exciting thing that 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 you um, see in the process from from seedling to how you serve the, the the certain food in the way that you want. So it's a it's a yeah exciting um, journey so far. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you obviously need to go to suppliers for some produce, but you also grow so much of it. So you can see the sort of supply chain issues from both sides. I mean, how insulated are you from rising costs and, and yeah, supply chain disruption because you grow so much of your own produce? Um, the growing our own stuff does help a lot. Um, for example, like these days, everyone's talking about lettuces and um, how the icebergs, the cost of icebergs gone um, skyrocketing and all that. But it's just, um, for us, we sort of have a bit of self-dependency. But again, um, given the factor with the weather, uh, when, the, when the bad weather happens, it's just um, we, like none of us are um, protected in that sense. But we do have a bit of an advantage in that sense. Mm. Um, generally, but the other supply costs, like it's it's always, especially with the seafood and 
and the proteins going high up. So it's it's just um, we kind of have to deal with it at the moment. Yeah, I'd love to learn more about your background um, in Sri Lanka because I understand that you grew up in a rural area and there was also homegrown produce there. Can you can you tell us yeah. about your childhood? Yeah, so um, I um, I was um, grew up in a uh, um, kind of like extended uh, family. I have uh, uh, seven siblings. Uh, my dad is a farmer. He's a predominantly a rice grower. So um, we had our, we still have our own farm, uh, which we um, growing rice. And then um, because he's a farmer, we always have like our own um, veggie garden and all that. So I kind of used with growing in that environment. Um, most of the things that we um, consumed um, as kids were grown in our backyard. Um, usually the, the rice harvesting, uh, the, the, the process of um, growing rice, it takes about three months um, to put the rice in the ground and then to harvest. And then you kind of have like a one month break just to replenish the soil. And during that time, you sort of focus on your garden um, at your backyard. And then that's how it works. So we, 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 it's a continuous thing. And seeing that as a child, um, it did help. It's one of the reasons why I uh, sort of look into work in Mornington Peninsula as well. Uh, just that uh, abundance of produce and the and the, the the great bunch of farmers that I really wanted to work with. Was that um, that proximity to produce what got you into cooking as well? Yeah, of course. And 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 growing up in a bigger family, um, you know, like it's just ten people in the family. That's like. Uh, pretty much, you'd say like um, one sitting in a small fine dining restaurant, you know, like so mom always <laughs> cook um, a lot of food and we eat um, like generally rice three times a day. We massive rice um, consumers um, and a lot of curry. So you wake up into that, you know, like uh, in the morning, your mom make um, the the coconut rice with some um, um, anchovy sambal and all that, that aroma. Um, just circling around the house, you just wake up for that, and um, those good memories. And, and and as we grow up, when you're looking for a career, it's just the the, the hospitality became the closest thing to me. Uh, it's, after seeing all that, yeah. Oh my goodness, I want that for my breakfast as well. <laughs> so, Guyana, you know, I think people often think of rice as just like this. I don't know, a supporting player in a meal, kind of like flour. It's just something that holds up the other food. But, I mean, yeah. you've grown up so close to rice and, you know, with rice being so fresh and so seasonal. Can you talk about, you know, the, the properties that you see in this really, you know, what is so often just thought of as a commodity? Yeah, like the, for us, um, rice is pretty much everything. You know, like in, in the first when I came here, when I talked to people about like that we eating rice three times a day, um, everyone's like, how can you eat rice three times a day? It's, rice is kind of boring, you know, like, but for us, we've been using it for so long. Uh, so the rice, the rice flour is the flour for us. And most of our desserts getting made out of um, rice flour. Um and the snacks, and also we we um, like last summer I I experimented about thirty different varieties of rice in many little kitchen, just to s- see how how we can utilize them, 
um, in, in, in different formats. So it's, um, it's actually not just a uh, commodity. Um, it's, you, you have like a lot of other things that, that you can make or you can, a lot of other ways that you can use. Um, that's how we um, um, use rice as it's not just that a staple food. Um, from from and 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 also like the, the whole growing thing as well for for their lifestyle from from the from the husks to um, the other crops that we grow uh, in between with the rice paddies and it's it just a combined thing. So um, it's as 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 I said, it's not just a commodity for us. Um, and then I seen that since um, very beginning. Um, so it's it's a big part of our life. Mm. I, it was a bit of a revelation for me. Well, you know, I realized how ignorant I was about rice when I learned that sushi chefs sometimes use rice of different ages uh, when preparing different dishes. Is there that same culture in Sri Lankan food around yeah. rice that's fresh and rice that's been aged for longer? Yeah, exactly. Um, we we so we we have our different grains um, that we use for different. Um, um, the food that we made out of, and also um, how you treating it as well. Like um, when you first harvest, um, kind of like the grains are kind of milky, so using them for like, for example, like the milk rice that we use with uh, made out of coconut milk and rice, um, which is the very common breakfast in Sri Lanka. And then also when, when you age them as well, like up to. Um, three or four years in, in, in massive storage areas just to get uh, especially like the, the grains like basmari um, you you age them that's how you get that perfect um, uh, individual grain that you use for your biryani so if and and also the um, in the process the, the broken rice that you make um, when you um, husk in them you use them for a different purpose as well so it's 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 rice is a serious business for us and we do look for the best quality rice and 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 they all have their individual properties that that you can utilize on different things that you made out of mm. oh i love it i just love <laughs> i just love just learning there's always so much to learn about food yeah. I just and yeah. also there's a massive um, um these days a lot of people experimenting with the with the heirloom varieties as well um um like we do in uh, many little and um, we're using quite a few um, heirloom Sri Lankan rice varieties that um, we're making crackers or papadums or some of them we use for, um, we're making a special uh, milk rice version for one of our courses in there. It's called Sundal, which is one of the oldest rices that, that grow in Sri Lanka. Now they, they all coming to spotlight, which is uh, with, with, the, with this younger generation of chefs, Who's trying to bring those things um, to the to the international level? Um, yeah, it's it's very exciting. Yeah, it it's so exciting. I mean, what was it like for you as a kid to be in among the rice fields? I mean, were there was it a place that you would spend a lot of time? Were there like frogs there? Like, what was it like? Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, we we sort of um, I grew up in a my my house was in a in a rice paddy, so it was just. Um, um, we had like a 10 acre um, property that um, well, we inherited from our um, grandparents. And it just, um, so during the um, um, 
time that we um, we we preparing soil and all that, we you always go and support uh, your parents. You know, like help them out, and um, it's it's more of fun just to run around in the mud and um, <laughs> you know, like catching frogs and catching little rainbow fish. Catching rainbow fish was a big thing. Um, a lot of kids doing in the in the morning, and then. During the harvesting time also, um, after the harvest, uh, just that empty fields are our cricket grounds. So you, you, you play, you make your cricket pitch in there and then you play cricket like from morning to till it get dark, you know, like this. Then the, the parents come and drag us until pretty much um, you play cricket there. And then harvesting season, uh, usually the how uh, once you harvest it, husking is mainly getting done. Uh, basically what they do is they, they piled up all the um, um, rice um, hay and, and then they just run them through the tractor or um, a bunch of cows just to separate the seeds from the trees. Um, and that's an overnight thing. So you always love spending um, um, out in the field overnight with your parents, just, you know, like the counting stars or catching bugs and all that. So it's good, good um Founding uh, memories about it as well. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah. What a beautiful uh, picture you paint for us. <laughs> um, it's which you know I suppose it is such an idyllic picture and so resonant and so bountiful. But you know I'm hearing such tough news from Sri Lanka at the moment, Guyane, and I'm sure you're yeah. you know obviously would be talking to people back home about it. So mm-hmm. there's runaway inflation, political instability. There, are, um, it's difficult for people to get petrol and there's predicted food shortages. I mean, what are you hearing from Sri Lanka at the moment? It's actually quite disturbing, uh, to be honest. At the moment, it's... um. Um, they are suffering from massive uh, f- uh, food uh, shortage, which linked to um, um, supply chain issues. Um, and also um, the government introduced which, uh, a failed program about a um, year and a half ago, um, going full, um, fully organic uh, without analyzing the situation. And um, the, because of that, most of the things that we consume every day such as rice and millet and all those stuff the the, the production was gone um, down most in, in most areas by like 40 30 to 40 percent um so the um the food security is um in a um, really bad state at the moment also because uh, the because of the countries running their um, running out of their foreign reserves they can't um, import the fuel so there's massive fuel shortage, which leads to um, uh, power cut as well, because most of the uh, power plants are running with diesel, either diesel or um, coal. Um, so it's it's kind of like a domino effect to um, every industry. Um, and because of all that, now they're running out of the, the medicines as well. The biggest issue is the, the, the foreign reserves are, pretty much gone um, almost to um, zero. Um, and that have an impact on most of the things that they're importing. Um, other than the things that they, um, the aid that they're getting from other countries or the organizations such as UN, um, com- countries pretty much got no money to do their own imports. Yeah. So that's pretty, yeah, that, that's the sad situation in there at the moment. 
Yeah, like you say, it's a real cascade of, of factors that have led to these dreadful impacts on, on people's lives. And, yeah, that that fertiliser one is so, it's, yeah, it just seems like such a, you can see, like, okay, so there was this plan, let's, Sri Lanka is going to be the first country that's fully organic, yeah. so we're going to stop importing fertiliser. But I guess there was a yeah. there was an economic impetus to that. It was like we don't want to spend money on fertiliser because we're, we know yeah. that we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're running out of money. And yeah. then it sort of sounds great, but then, of course, when everybody's used, or not everybody, but when so many people are used to using fertiliser on their farms, um, they yeah. rely on that for certain yields. So, the, yeah, as you say, like production went down so much, leading to shortages, which leads to more need for imports, but then there's no money. So it's just such a, it's so distressing. And and something that really hit home for me that I read over the past couple of days was that government employees are being moved to a four-day week, so given one day off a week, with the idea being that they use that day to grow food, Um, which is in a way you think, well, maybe we should all be doing that. We should be working less and, and growing more so that we don't need as much money and that sort of seems kind of nice and romantic. But at the same time, that just shows the desperation of the current situation where, I mean, so many people live in apartments that don't have like a rice field out the back like um, like your family. I mean, it just seems very tenuous and, yeah, as you say, like just really disturbing. Yeah, it's mainly the it's a lot of the um, uh, the the the, the policies that the government introduced. They were actually not in the uh, not to um, tackle the real issues. They were just interim things that they that that they have been doing, and this has been happening for last ten to fifteen years. Um, because Sri Lankan economy was um, this when we got the independence, we were, we got the second best economy in Asia. Like we were only second to Japan. And then, with the once the um, the British ruling left the country, the the the, the local um, administration who who got into power, they they never had a proper policy that they could stick on, and and the, the corruption grows continuously, um, and then that that brought the um, the political established the country, and like especially the younger generations now they're seeing this happening for a long time and they they cannot let it happen anymore so the the um there's the, the there's like a massive um social economic um storm going through there as well uh, which linked to this whole issue um and people kind of feel like they're helpless at the moment and all these um the the, the policies that they've been practicing for last almost half um, half a century are failing and um so that's why the 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 people expecting the administration to take a different path um for example this um, whole organic thing was actually it's not the it's not the the uh, authentic thing um they mainly did that uh, they didn't have the money to import the fertilizer so they thought it's you know it's it's a sellable idea you can tell people like we're looking after you by um going organic which is nice and healthy but then again um there was no other um um support for mm. the farmers to find their um organic application so there's no proper training there was no proper discussion in the society about it like how we're going to 
um, go there, like if you want to be the um, world's first fully organic um, country. Um, so it's they, most of those things happen as in reaction as a reaction rather than uh, a proaction with a proper plan, and and they meant to fail, uh, and that's what happened. Um, so they did that, f- um, especially with the rice. Um, even in my parents' farm, like it's gone down by forty percent. The crops and um, and the, the fertilizers are not there, and then because the the the, the policy was failing. They had to import rather than making their own organic fertilizers. They import the organic fertilizers again. Wow. That have an impact on their foreign reserves. They have to pay for them as well just to um, maintain the food security. And it's just that, as I said, that the domino effect. So one after one, um, um, all the solutions they, they're bringing out um, uh, are not actually solutions. They're creating more issues uh, more often than not. How is your family doing, Guyan? They're fine at the moment. It's just the um, uh, most of my siblings who are living in Colombo are actually suffering um, because, as, as I said, people who are living, living in rural areas, they still manage to grow their own thing, especially with the food, um, and they can deal with the um, uh, um, power issues um, because they can find the firewood and all that. But people who live in the cities, especially in Colombo, who lives in apartments, like they don't have, they can't have a um, firewood. Um, uh, it, they can't use firewood to cook their food or they can't grow anything. And so they have, they are depending on the supply chain. But the most of the supermarkets are empty at the moment, um, and there's this massive shortage for um, uh, milk powder um, for kids, and also um, massive shortage with the fresh produce. Um, so the the people in in Colombo, like my most of my family who are living in Colombo now, they are suffering. They and and they're spending the good amount of their time uh, every day just um, queuing up in the 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 petrol stations just to get the full. Sometimes like um, they go, they can go up to like uh, 12 to 15 hours. They just stay there um, in the queue. And, and, and even after they stay in the queue, there was no proper system to guarantee that they're going to get the full. Um, they just, sometimes they're just waiting, waiting for like six, seven hours. And then when they come Closer to the um, the pump, they're saying like um, we out of the full for out, out of the petrol for the day, so you have to come back again tomorrow. So um, yeah, that's the situation for them at the moment, and it's quite frustrating. Well, frustrating. Oh, I mean, it's it's really distressing. It must be so awful and scary to hear. Yeah, to know that your family is in that situation and, <clears throat> yeah, it's, or everybody else that's there as mm. well. I mean, like how are you coping? It just sounds so awful. And, you know, to be, you know, creating your beautiful food in a beautiful restaurant in the lucky country. Um, I mean, what's it like for you? It's actually um, just, you know, like most of um, – usually this is the time we're having a holiday, like this year, like we, we we don't feel like take a holiday, you know, because they, my people in there, they're suffering, um, and all those things. Um, just it's it's kind of distressing with what we do, and but we try to do our best to help them from here. 
a um, lot of the, the, the global community are putting their hands up and, 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 and trying to do the right thing for them. Um, hopefully, it's just we, we, we have a hope um, that, that things uh, will get changed soon enough um, within the next few months and, and then they can go back to normal. Yeah, oh, I, I really hope so. I mean, one of the other things that we hear about from Sri Lanka is um, is boat arrivals, like people who are leaving Sri Lanka as refugees. Um, some of them are trying to get make their way to Australia. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of political issues that have meant that people have had to flee, but I imagine now there's a lot of um, economic reasons as well. What What's your view on that? Um, it's just the desperation of people, you know, like they would do um, anything to get out of a situation like that. And also at the same time, um, people smugglers who's using this as an opportunity um, with the with the government change in here, they, they, they kind of have that the, the Labour government would accept them. Um, but I think in, 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 in general thought, like, they don't want to, there's a lot of people like that I've spoken, like they don't want to leave the country. They want to use this as an opportunity to change the system and, and um, get back um, the country that what they wanted. Um, so that's why they're saying like if there won't be any opportunity to um, wake up like this and see see your policies and see what you've been doing um, last 50 years because it's, it's not a country that um, we don't have a desert we don't have snow like it's tropics and everyday sun you can grow things and it's it's in the perfect position in Indian Ocean so we sh- it's not a country that should be like this um, and they we were the oldest democracy in Asia and all that so we the, the most of the people who are actually that I am talking to they they don't want to leave but at the same time, then, especially in the coastal areas where this big um, people smuggling racket is happening, um, th- they are doing their thing just to get the people out. And people easily get into uh, that trap, you know. It's just um, when, when, when someone says, like, I'll take you to Australia, like, give me uh, 500,000 rupees or something, they would do it. Like, they'll, they'll sell their, everything that they have and they'll take that risk um, obviously, just to get out of that situation. Um, that's how I think it, it, it works. Yeah, it's, I mean, so many different forces at play. And I think, you know, if, if you're hungry or if you've got kids that are yeah. hungry, I mean, it's re- you're really not that far away from, from the desperation that would, yeah, lead you to any kind of decision yeah, like that you thought you, would, would change that situation. Yeah, when you go home, like when you see your child is crying, that if you can't afford to buy a packet of milk powder or a couple of kilos of rice and, and people go to um, um, the maximum um, extent that, that they have to take, you know, like just to take them out of that um, um, uh, misery. So I think that's what's happening. And then um, until um, that, if, until that they manage to get that political stability and the economic stability, there's always a risk um, that people would try to leave the country um, legally or illegally. And then the government facing a real problem as well. All the intellectuals who are leaving the country that, that who can get a visa easily from, to, to move to Canada or to Australia or US or Europe, um, the, the educated people, they are also leaving this massive um, um, 
um, uh, intellectual um, issue coming up in in, mm. in, in next few years because because all the doctors at the moment live in the country. There's very few who are staying there, and and you see the airport, um, at the um, the the passport office. Um, the people queued up outside. Um, massive number like they say like the the system getting crashed down because of the uh, sheer number of applications coming through and they can't handle it so everyone's trying to flee the country in 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 legal way and illegal way um which is mainly because of the desperation um to live yeah yeah it's yeah it's huge huge stuff um Gayan, let's switch gears and tell me if I come to see you, I mean, I'd love to come to Polpera, but I'm going to go to Manny Little first because I want yeah. you to feed me some Sri Lankan food. If I, if I yeah. come down, what will, what will you feed me? Um, so Manny Little, our signature is the Thali, which is the, um, we, uh, we doing, uh, we do have a uh, cocktail bar, which, and, and, and the bar menu. Also, we have a restaurant menu, which is a set menu um, um, that we serve seven courses. Um, the hero is the tali, which is uh, our Sri Lankan curries and hoppers and rotis, uh, chutneys and relishes. So um, it's pretty much um, the, the Sri Lanka on a plate, I would say. Um, and um, yeah, so the, then the, then you have this really cool. Um, Again, uh, Sri Lankan infused uh, the, the the cocktails and 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 the bar menu that you can sit down and um, have a casual uh, bar meal in there. Again, you will get a curry in there as well. Yeah, I really, I really want to. I want that all in front of me. I want to, yeah, enjoy those. Uh, you, you're very welcome to come down there. <laughs> Thank you, um, Gayan. I hope um, next time we speak that you know there's better news for um, yes, Sri Lanka and your family and your friends back there. But um, thank you so much for sharing your perspective with us today. I think it's um, so many people in Australia have really strong connections with Sri Lanka, and um, yeah, my heart really goes out to everybody who's doing it so tough. But um, yeah, thanks for chatting today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much, and and thanks for having me. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.